Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about initial Disney Genie impressions and Leslie's recent Disneyland trip. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Shout out and thank you to Studio 54 for your recent review. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can subscribe for bonus content. Or if you need help planning your Disney vacation, you can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent at no cost to you. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on our Facebook page. Disney Decipher. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we had to postpone our recording, but due to that postponement, we are actually recording on October 19th, aka Disney Genie Plus launch day. So we messed around with Disney Genie. Obviously, we did not, we're not down in Disney World right now, neither of us. And we did not pay the $15 for Disney Genie Plus, though I am tempted. But we messed around with Disney Genie a little bit. As today is our last BGE before Genie Plus era trip report from Leslie and from myself as well. You know, it's our last Disney Deciphered BGE trip report. We thought, let's talk a little bit about how Disney Genie seems to be going today. I'll start by saying it mostly seems to be working. Not too many tech issues, way less than I would expect from a Disney tech launch. So that's good for starters, at least. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be too buggy so far. I mean, I guess the what people have pointed out on Twitter is like how some of the copy was wrong. Like there were Latin words in the legal disclaimer. And I think initially last night when you and I first looked at it, or maybe when I first looked at it with the time difference, it said for people making Genie Plus selections that you couldn't do it until you'd entered the, or I guess until park opening time if you were off property. And of course they, they changed that. So yeah, there's been some minor hiccups, but in the grand scheme of things, I think so far so good. Now I messed around with Disney Genie a little bit in the morning. So I got a virtual queue spot at Remy's Ratatouille with a Epcot reservation. By the way, I didn't decide to do this until 7.03 a.m. So I made a park reservation with my annual pass. So I had to do that and then go to the virtual queue. So I didn't get to the virtual queue until 7.05, but I still got boarding group 99. So at the very least, Remy's is not a Rise of the Resistance virtual queue situation. You don't have to do it within the first 15 seconds. So that's good to know. After that, I switched my park reservation to Magic Kingdom just to to see what Genie would tell me. Now, I was kind of expecting Genie to give me push notifications when it wanted me to ride attractions, but it did not give me that. I told Genie a few attractions and where I wanted to eat. And so, you know, I've been looking at the app periodically through the day. It gives you a tip board and it also gives you something called My Day. For some reason, My Day doesn't tell you the posted standby waiting times, but the tip board does, which is a little weird. My biggest thing that I noticed was after I chose the specific attractions, Disney immediately gave me an ad for Genie Plus asking me if I wanted to upgrade for $15. So I guess that was to be expected. Yep. Yep. They know how to upsell. So (laughs) yeah, there's just a lot of things going on right now. I mean, I'm wondering if one of the reasons that you were able to get a virtual queue spot for Remy's was because so many people were trying to do the other things at seven o'clock this morning, you know, make that first Genie Plus reservation buy the Lightning Lane individual attraction selection. So, I mean, I guess the confusion probably creates some opportunity, at least in the short term, for folks who have trips coming up as, as everybody's learning this whole system together. And and we do expect, I mean, I think by the time we have an episode next week that's more in depth about Disney, Genie, Genie Plus, et cetera, 
there will be some things that have changed. I mean, I, I fully expect there's going to be some tweaks coming in the very short term. Yeah, I don't think we'll give our definitive kind of thoughts on it until we've actually tried it for ourselves. We are hoping to get a guest on next week who has been trying it. And so hopefully we can get some good details for you all then. But uh, I think we'll leave that initial Disney Genie impressions here right now. The last thing I'll say is Slinky Dog Dash pretty much sold out of its Genie Plus Lightning Lane reservations. So it's not one of those that you have to pay an a la carte price it's under the 15 dollars genie plus i know it's super confusing you can go back to the episode where we kind of broke down all the different genie plus things but yeah it's sold out very early it feels like hollywood studios might be the place where you're going to need genie plus if you want these lightning lanes just because it has the fewest attractions and the most uh thrill attractions yeah, that's right. I think Hollywood Studios may be the problem. And I suspect that Slinky Dog may make the move to being one of the individual attraction selections as time goes on. We shall see. I agree. I'm surprised that it wasn't in the first place. All right. So Disney Genie aside, we will get back to that at a future episode. But Leslie, you took one final pre-Genie Plus trip to Disneyland. Tell us a little bit about your trip. What are the basic parameters? I mean, it was... I think maybe your first non-working trip in a while. Of course, you're always working when you're at Disneyland, but you were mostly there for fun and for your family, right? Yeah, yeah. I was there October 8th through the 11th, which was the long holiday weekend for Indigenous Peoples Day, Columbus Day, whatever we call it now. And I was there not only with my family, but also with um, some family friends, another family of six people. So we were a group of 10 total, a little bit different than how I usually do Disneyland and and definitely was meant to be more of a non-working vacation, but there's always some work that seeps into it. All right. And so you were there for a little longer than you normally are, right? You're normally only there for two to three nights, but did you go a full four nights this time? It was only three nights, but we really did four days. So we flew in early on Friday morning and then left on the end of the day on Monday of the long holiday weekend. So we had three days in the parks and then one day was an Oogie Boogie Bash day. So we actually had four days we were in a park in in some shape or form. So definitely a little bit different than how we usually do Disneyland. Ultimately, with the bigger group, we knew we'd be slower moving and, and we honestly got less accomplished in four days than we did on our trip earlier this summer in three days when it was just my family. So, you know, definitely something to keep in mind. But I kind of like, I like the slower pace. I liked being able to sort of not just do the forced march of happiness every, you know, minute and spend every waking minute in the park. We did other things, downtown Disney, pool time. We'll talk more about this, but some special things at our hotel where we stayed club level. So it was great. We have two main things we want to cover, which is your experience at Oogie Boogie Bash, which seems just so superior to Boo Bash in Disney World. It's not even funny. And then, of course, your Pixie Dust Disneyland Hotel upgrade to club level. So let's just get some of the smaller items out of the way. Now, you've already alluded to the fact that it was really crowded, and I know that Rope Drop felt particularly uncomfortable for you. So do you want to talk about Rope Drop and the lines and crowds in general? Yeah, so it definitely felt much more crowded. This was my fifth trip to Disneyland since the reopening in April. And this was by far the most crowded and definitely sort of the old choke points that those of us who have gone to Disneyland many times over the years that we remember, those are back like New Orleans Square and, you know, Fantasyland after pretty much the whole day, but certainly in, you know, late morning, early afternoon gets just really tight in a lot of the walkways and it's just really hard to navigate. So that's challenging. I mean, it felt to me for the first time 
like a pre-COVID era day. So that was a little bizarre because I was kind of expecting with, you know, reservations and, and then there was this sort of big brouhaha about there not being really any magic key reservations available for pass holders. You know, I sort of thought like they were truly capping capacity and it, it didn't feel that way. I mean, I'm sure it was some of it is my my feeling as to what feels crowded to me has changed because of the pandemic. But the choke points look like the choke points of old. But Rope Drop really was, I thought, the, the place, as you mentioned, where I sort of felt the least comfortable. And that's just because you try to leave a little space and you're trying to queue up and you're there very early and you're waiting next to the same people in a static position for, you know, 30 minutes or so. And if you try to leave a little space, people come around you and fill in that space. So you get tighter and tighter and tighter. So it felt uncomfortable. I didn't like it, especially in California Adventure. I had not done a rope drop in California Adventure yet, but it's a much narrower walkway. And then like 90% of the people are heading towards Radiator Springs racers, which I wasn't doing, but my husband and daughter were. So that that was just the one place where I thought a lot of people are going to feel uncomfortable, you know, based upon their personal comfort level. And of course, it's outside. So most people around you aren't wearing masks. And uh, yeah, it's just tight. Yeah, normally I don't worry about outside, but I have a friend who said they were walking outside of Disney World and someone literally sneezed in their face. You never know what can happen. Uh, when you're outside. Now, one thing I'm wondering about Genie Plus, combined with the still not quite back to pre-pandemic level crowds, is whether it's going to eliminate the need to rope drop, at least in the near future. I had a friend who was just at Disney World over the weekend, and they went to Hollywood Studios at like 5, 6 p.m., and they did Slinky Dog, Tower of Terror, and Runaway Railway, or three of the headliners, you know, all within an hour, hour, 15 minutes, because by that time, the park had mostly cleared out. I mean, I think a lot of the nighttime action gets to Magic Kingdom and Epcot right now because of Enchantment and Harmonious. I just wonder if the way that things are working right now, the standby lines are going to be shorter in the evenings and rope drop is not as important because we see that Flight of Passage standby line, the longest wait is always in the first two hours in the morning. So it'll be interesting to see how these things develop over the next few months or so. Yeah. And I think things will be different at Disney World and Disneyland, of course. I mean, Disneyland has the locals. And as long as the Magic Key holders can get a reservation, they tend to come in the evenings. And there are a lot more of them than are at, you know, Disney World. So I think this will this will differ over time between the two Disney coasts. But yeah, it was it was a little rough during my trip for sure. All right, so let's talk about another pain point for Disneyland dining and mobile ordering. How did that go for you this past trip? So I was very fastidious about monitoring dining reservations, was using mouse dining, which I think we've I think we've mentioned before, but we should drop our, our link in the show notes. But mouse dining was definitely helping me get some reservations, especially with a big, big group, because Disneyland isn't still isn't releasing a lot of dining availability right at the 60-day mark. Instead, they're doing it sort of randomly, like 45 days out for one restaurant and 50 days out for another restaurant. So it actually resulted in a really weird situation that I think is contributing to the shortage from what I saw, which is that only you know one restaurant's being released at a time. So I was snagging something that wasn't my first choice because it was the only one available. And I was then waiting to try to snag my first choice. So I, I ended up having 
at one point, gosh, I mean, maybe seven or eight dining reservations. And I obviously was not going to be using that many. But I think that's <laughs> the shortage in the way this is happening is is resulting in people hoarding them. And I, I did try to release them as soon as I could for other people. But yeah, it's it's messed up and really hard to get reservations. I was able to get a group of 10 for Goofy's Kitchen for dinner for our arrival night, um, the character meal at the Disneyland Hotel. And uh, so that seems to be a place if you've got a bigger bigger group that you can succeed. I also was able to get one at Storytellers, but we didn't use that one because we wanted to do, do Goofies. So so uh, yeah, it was just really hard. Never could get Blue Bayou, but uh, I did get the mouse dining notification once or twice, but never was able to snag it. Never was able to snag Trader Sam's. So it's competitive, and I'm I'm obviously someone who knows what I'm doing. But at the same time, I it was you know wasn't the end of the world if we didn't get everyone that we wanted. But mobile. Ordering has improved, but there's still some restaurants where, you know, if you're looking at it at 11.45, 12, you aren't going get to get be able to get a return time at a reasonable hour for lunch. So you do have to plan ahead. And, and we did that for the rest of the trip. And we're really happy with that. We did that our second day when we were at DCA for Pim Test Kitchen and everybody got what they wanted. But again, it's still a little bit uneven. Sometimes you hit the I'm here button and your food's ready almost instantaneously. Sometimes you hit the I'm here button and your food takes 20 minutes to come out. So your miles may vary. Yeah. Did you take a look at what standby times look like for waiting? Again, just to bring it back to Disney World a little. I think like, for example, Space 220, they're totally sold out. There's no way to get a reservation or it's very hard to get a reservation. But people have been successful just waiting 20 to 30 minutes for the lounge, which is, of course, different. Generally, lounge seating is never reserved. I'm just curious, like, if you had gone for standby table service, do you think it would have been a long time at Disneyland? Well, with a group of 10, we wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, for a group of four, yes, it would have been possible. And in fact, I could see for myself, if we had really wanted to go to Trader Sam's, we could have done it. Um, we were spending a day at the Disneyland Hotel pool so I could see what was happening up there and just do the standby wait. So definitely is possible for, you know, families of average size. But if you are with a bigger group, I think you got to have the reservations. All right. Any other little things that we need to go over before we move on to Oogie Boogie Bash? One thing I should mention is that folks were definitely chattering on Twitter about Disney inflating wait times in this lead up to Genie Plus. And, you know, people were messaging me, like looking at the Disneyland wait times, like, are these really what the wait times are, Leslie? And yes, they were. I mean, Disney always, always overestimates, for the most part, on average, their ride wait times. But I didn't see that happening any more than usual during my trip. There were definitely... 100-minute long lines for Haunted Mansion Holiday on a holiday weekend, for sure. And it was not fun. <laughs> and we did not get a lot of rides in <laughs> as a result. That is unfortunate. All right, so let's move on to Oogie Boogie Bash. So for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about what this party is and you know, tell us a little bit about how much fun you had there because it seems pretty awesome. I mean, they brought out Zombie Captain America after you left, uh, which is super cool, but Go ahead and talk to us about Oogie Boogie Bash. All right. So Oogie Boogie Bash is the Halloween party in Disney California Adventure. It started for the first time in 2019. So this is only year number two. Disneyland used to have a regular party in Disneyland Park. And, and this 
move happened, I think, just to sort of give more space, take pressure off Disneyland Park when Galaxy's Edge was opening at the at the time. And ultimately, it's an upgrade. I mean, it's a much edgier party. I mean, it's not scary. It's not like Halloween Horror Nights or anything like that. But it has a little bit of, a, of an edgier feel, you know, Oogie Boogie sort of being the mascot of it all. It's just great. I mean, this was a full-scale Halloween party and obviously Disney World doesn't have that right now. It has an after hours event. So I was lucky to be able to do it. I mean, there were some trim backs from what was on the table in 2019. World of Color was not running a show. And they also cut out one of the um, shows. They had a descend dance, like a dancer show on one of the stages that they cut. But pretty much everything else was there. And then they added on some extra things. Like you said, though, they did add <laughs> Captain America, zombie Captain America, and I missed that after my trip. But it was pretty well done. So what are your favorite parts uh, about the party night? And do you more go there for like the atmosphere or are you still, you know, waiting for the rides? I know that Haunted Mansion has that overlay. So I don't know if that's, it has the overlay regardless of whether it's during the party or not. So maybe you ride that during the non-party time. Oh, well, that's in the other park. So can't ride it. Oh, well, there you go. All right. <laughs> Disneyland lack of knowledge shows again. So what do you do uh, during Oogie Boogie Bash? What do you like to do? Or what did you enjoy doing with your family? So we definitely, the first thing on our list was the immersive treat trails. And so, you know, they have trick-or-treating in the park and they've added villain characters to the treat trails. So as you're walking through and getting your candy from the various points from the cast members, you'll see a villain who you can talk to, kind of take a distant selfie with. And they had these pre-COVID, these, these existed in 2019, but they've expanded them more and added more villains in 2021 because it, it the setup is just great for for COVID safety. You see this like unique character, but you're from a little bit of a distance and you get your candy and it kills two birds with one one stone. And we uh we did most of the treat trails. We didn't get to quite all of them. I think there were 10 treat tra- trails total and 9 of them had characters if I'm remembering right and those include Sid from Toy Story, Agatha from the new WandaVision, gosh, the Evil Queen, Maleficent, the Mad Hatter, Dr. Facilier. I mean, a lot of really cool villains that you get to see and talk to. And some of them are more interactive than others, but some of them are just just truly standouts. Like, I'm so impressed by the actors who do this, you know, for multiple hours each party night several times a week. Yeah, I know people love Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, and for those of you with stronger constitutions, it does sound like it could be a lot of fun, but I am not the uh, type of person who, one, would go into a haunted house, but two, I'm not the type of person who would love someone with a fake chainsaw running at me in the middle of the street and scaring me. So this tree trail with the villains, it really is much more my speed. Of course, it'd be much more my kid's speed as well, but forget them. You know, this sounds a lot better to me than the full-blown kind of actually scary uh, universal stuff. So it feels like something that they could easily implement at not so scary at Disney World. Yes, of course, they can't use Captain America. And I don't know, maybe they could use Agatha Harkness. I doubt it. Who knows what the legal stuff is. But still, like having the villains out there, I think that's a really cool way to make the tree trails a lot more fun for everybody. Yeah, it really is the highlight at 
Oogie Boogie Bash. So that was that was first on our list and definitely knocked a few of those out, figuring out sort of the right strategy, dodging dodging some crowds and figuring out the order in which to do them that was sort of the opposite of the crowd flow, which was, was great. And then the other thing that we, you know, really, really enjoyed was the Frightfully Fun Parade. This is the first parade that is fully, fully back in any Disney park in the U.S. And it's the full parade. It's a long parade route. I think one of the reasons they thought they could do this is it goes all the way from sort of one end of Pixar Pier out Hollywood land. It's basically the entire length of DCA. And so it allows people to really spread out. You're not going to have crowds that are multiple people deep. People feel like they have space and don't camp out for ages beforehand. So it was great to see a parade back. It's, it's you know, it's a smaller parade, but compared to sort of the height and impressiveness of the ones at Disney World, but it felt full scale and love seeing that. And, and also love to see the Disney Junior Dance Party Theater has a show that's back now, the Mickey's Treat, Trick and Treat Show, which is great for like the toddlers and preschoolers. And also my eight-year-old son, who is still entertained by that. So we saw that. And, and now they have brought back the entire Disney Junior Dance Party full scale this week. That was, I guess, the test to see how, how it was going with the, the distancing and the spacing. I mean, that guy can cut a rug like nobody's business. Uh, I totally believe that he had a blast doing that. All right. Anything else on Oogie Boogie Bash before we move on to the amazing part of your trip? Yeah, real quick. One thing on rides. We didn't do a ton of rides. Um, My daughter, who was able to stay till the very end, got in more. We were hoping to do web slingers during the party, but the wait never really dropped below 45 minutes. and And it really was that long. I eyeballed it several times. So yeah, but we were able, if you wanted to ride some of the second tier attractions, you were able to get in those with much shorter waits. So that worked well for, you know, smaller kids, I guess, getting a couple of, of rides in, but we had done a lot of them already before. But yeah, not not a great strategy. I mean, probably not as good as Boo Bash for getting in some of the headliner attractions, a lot of them in a short period of time. All right. Awesome. So let's talk about your hotel stay. Was super jealous about it in your trip report for patrons. I said you didn't say enough about it, so I had to make you do another one. But uh, tell us what happened at the Disneyland Hotel. What is this plethora of pixie dust dumped on your heads? All right. So we had a reservation at the Disneyland Hotel. And thanks to some pixie dust and full disclosure, a bonus, a pixie dust bonus that came from uh, folks I know in public relations and media relations, they upgraded us to club level, which I have always, always wanted to stay at at the Disneyland Hotel. But because we often do the forced march of happiness or the shorter trips, I've just never thought necessarily it would be a good fit. Like I thought we wouldn't get our money's worth or get the value from it because we wouldn't be in the hotel enough. So this worked out perfectly because if there ever was a trip where we could get the value out of it, it was this one because we were in the hotel more. We were taking a park day off, you know, in the morning to swim at the pool and then, you know, go to Oogie Boogie Bash in the afternoon. So we were at the hotel a lot more. So it was great. It was fantastic. Club level. The club at the Disneyland Hotel is at the top of the Adventure Tower, which overlooks downtown Disney. Great view of everything from the top floor there. You can see the Matterhorn, you can see Space Mountain, you can see Pixar Pier, you can see all of downtown Disney. I mean, it's really just a magnificent view. And you, of course, can see the fireworks from there. So I, I didn't actually get to to see that view at night, but it was great. It was great. 
So any highlights from the food that you got to eat? I, I guess I'm always curious as to like the quality of the food and drink and, you know, if anything really stood out to you. Yeah. So I thought the quality and the variety was very good. I, I did talk to some of the cast members who worked there and they said pretty much everything was back. This was full service except for Mickey waffles. For whatever reason, they didn't bring those back for breakfast in the morning. We ate there at several different times of day, but most of the time we were eating there for breakfast. We would just grab a little bite for a few minutes before we walked over to the parks. And the spread was quite nice. They had deviled eggs. They had cheese. They had oatmeal, dry things like cereals and bagels and pastries. So it was a nice little spread. And, you know, of course, plenty of drinks. The drink fridge had a wall of Diet Cokes for me and juice boxes for the kids and then, you know, plenty of coffee and you could request alcoholic beverages, you know, anytime as well. So it, it was an, it was an impressive spread and, you know, there was enough that my kids could eat something and, you know, my husband and I felt like we didn't have to just eat kid breakfast and we did try it for the snacks later in the afternoon several times. So it was, it was well done. It was a good spread. I mean, the club I will say is a little bit small and we never really had trouble finding a table, but it was close every time. So, you know, it was a little a little weird to be in an indoor dining space after, you know, that's pretty tight after all of this time. It was what it was, I guess, when <laughs> the food <laughs> is ample and free and you have a view like that, you're not really worried about all the COVID stuff. Did it feel like there were a lot of people in there? I'm just curious how many people are actually shelling out for club level right now i'm guessing not as many if they were going to pixie dust you up there well yeah good question i mean it felt it felt full but not overly full not crowded but it definitely felt like especially at the breakfast time when everybody's grabbing right before they're heading over to to rope drop definitely felt a little more full but not not uncomfortable certainly not that but it is it is a tinier space than i think i was expecting i haven't seen the one at the grand californian and i need to maybe go look up a youtube video to see what i can see but it was a little bit smaller than i guess i was expecting but maybe that's because so many people don't see the the need or the value to do it. I will say that now that I have done it, I want to do it every time. <laughs> and my husband and I have already been strategizing about sort of when to do it and how to book it and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's going to be something we return to, no questions asked. It's, it's about 200, maybe 250 more per night over the standard room rate, just so that you can kind of gauge the, the value there. I mean, did we eat $200? worth of food every day? No. But did we get $200 worth of value out of the convenience of not having to hunt down, you know, my morning Diet Coke or some cereal for the kids or Instacart it or whatever? Yeah, we did. It's like Genie Plus for food, but uh, an expensive version. Yeah, apparently I'm just becoming one of those people who's like, upgrade? Yep. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe I get older. As I get older, I get more... Uh, finicky about about my time more than anything yeah we'll see once we're back to regular travel whether you know our kind of covid wallets are still uh as as liberal as uh you know i i, I feel also like costs aren't as worrisome right now just because i haven't traveled for so long but we'll see how, how quickly that gets uh burned out of us as we lose all of our money yeah exactly <laughs> 2022 we still have some time Yes. All right. So sounds like a great trip. Do you have a Disney do or don't to share with, us, share with us from your trip? All right. For my Disney do, for those of you heading to Oogie Boogie Bash, 
do give the entrance at the Grand Californian a try. There's been all sorts of different information about whether they're only opening that entrance for hotel guests during, you know, the party mix-in time. We were able to get in without showing our Disneyland hotel room key or any questions asked right at the mix-in hour at 3 p.m. And that seems to be the case as this Oogie Boogie Bash comes, you know, continues. So don't wait in the long lines at the Esplanade. Go in through the Grand Californian and go in through that entrance and your line will be much, much shorter. We were into the party and I'd say five to 10 minutes doing that. Great tip. Well, like we said, we will be speaking soon about our impressions of Genie and Genie Plus and tips with that. And, you know, of course, that will be updated as time goes on. If you have been to Oogie Boogie Bash or Boo Bash at Disney World and want to compare the two or let us know your experiences, let us know DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com at www.deciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you playing around with your My Disney Experience app until you finally get back to Disney World. Thanks, Joe.